HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box and Clover, working together to provide restaurants with even more technology for a better hospitality experience. Visit getbento.com slash better to learn more. Traditionally, we chat with restaurant entrepreneurs who are in the process of building, catching a glimpse into the process and challenges that unfold during opening. Today, we're fortunate to be having a conversation from the other side as our guests are approaching their one-year anniversary. Our guests today are our fellow husband and wife team, which you all know we love, Chef Jenner Tomaska and Katrina Bravo of Esme in Chicago. They met the good old-fashioned way, just like Alex and I, working at a restaurant. Um, they've earned a Michelin star in their one year at Esme. Congrats. And it's their first venture together, um, prior to which Jenner was the chef at Next and Katrina worked in marketing for the Alenia Group. Um, so welcome and congrats on your first anniversary. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So you made it a year. How does it feel? Uh, it's still a bit surreal. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of a lot of the times in, in the restaurant industry and even in life, it's... Um, it's hard to stop and then kind of enjoy the moment when there's always, you know, something looming around the corner of work to do, but it feels good. Feels good. So tell our audience who may not be um, familiar yet with Esme about the business and about the restaurant and what y'all are doing up to in Chicago. Katrina, you want to do that one? No, you can go. <laughs> it's your baby. I. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I mean, Katrina and I have always kind of dreamed of opening um, a space together. Um, you know, we started, you know, dreaming about this many, many, many moons ago. Um, and you know, I love, I love cooking, and I love the, you know, hospitality world. So obviously, we wanted to open a restaurant. And you know, when kind of deciding what our path was going to be, um, you know, I, I do love the creative idea of, of of the tasting menu, but it's not necessarily you know something I want. Or would only do, I, you know. I, I, I grilled cheeseburgers. I, you know, I just like the idea of crafting something for someone. So when we, we decided to like choose this business model, I think it was very much so not the idea of you know making the best restaurant, but you know having purpose. Um, you know whatever we were going to do, and I think you know given COVID in the last several years, it's even more more so imprinted why we wanted to do uh, the restaurant, kind of how we're doing it. Um, 
So to give you a little background on, on, on what the concept is, is, you know, one side of the restaurant's a tasting menu, obviously. Um, the other side's an a la carte bar. Um, but the space is much more than that. Um, it really is a kind of a platform for others, um, a jumping point, a jumping off point or a space to kind of be highlighted. Um, so we're always being kind of um, inspired by others, right? Whether that is an artist um, or someone kind of actively participating in the community. Um, for me, the art art part is fun because, you know, culinary arts and food kind of can go hand in hand. And to be able to be inspired by, you know, kind of others' work is is what, what we do here, right? So we rotate um, an artist quarterly or a philanthropic group quarterly um, and then showcase who they are, right? And then we kind of write a menu um, and create food around that. Um, so it's this kind of ever-changing idea um, of food, service, and um, fun, right? Um you know, right now we're, we're fe featuring an artist um, and some of the food is um, directly correlated to what her art, you know, represents. Um, sometimes it's not so literal. Um, our next menu will be featuring Kitchen Possible. Um, it's a youth pro programming group in the city. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not a group of artists, but, you know, it's, it's a program that I've been involved, involved with a long time. We've come up with a whimsical way to kind of showcase who they are and, and make make food with it and make it fun yeah and i think that something that you know we always knew we wanted to do these quarterly dinners that you know put us and our guests in a position to do something positive with their money um while dining out but what we didn't really anticipate uh was even when we're not running the quarterly dinners like we're very involved with you know, all of our ceramists or the people helping us make our vessels or even just the artists on the wall. And it's, it's kind of evolved itself into at, at every given point in time within our space. Um, we're trying to help others or we're working with others. So, you know, for example, with Courtney, um, whose art is hanging on our wall right now, like if she sells a piece, we treat it like a gallery, but we don't take a percentage, right? So we feel like that is helpful for artists that we appreciate because they get to see that that money that's their livelihood it helps them continue to create um and it supports them and then you know just the pieces um we uh, that we're using or our cutlery um you know we send out these newsletters which i try to keep them less about us and more about others where we really just highlight all these amazing artisans and tell you know guests or subscribers like you can explore their work here. This is what they've done. This is what they're going to do. Like buy their stuff if you want it for your house. Like we've sold service pieces to guests mid meet. Like we've packaged them and sent them home with them because they want to buy them. Um, you know, we've had commissioned people who've commissioned artists that are, you know, Amanda Rivera who did a mural in our bar and has art in our bathrooms that I have guests have loved her work. We put them in touch. They've commissioned private pieces for their home. Um, so I think, that we always knew there was going to be a philanthropic element. And we, you know, that was what made sense to us. Like our background, we, I always say we were raised by Michael, Lisa Cornick and Eric Williams. Like those three people are so influential to us um, in terms of who we are today. But I didn't think we didn't anticipate this time last year, just how, how much everything is about doing something for others. Even, you know, Tia, which I always say, I never knew, we needed this or we should be doing this. Like she's created a beverage program where she's basically showcasing these amazing um, 
people who are doing great work, people of color, uh, women-owned labels, or just generally things that you are, or their labels are giving back, you know, to to different causes. So we really have tried to pay it forward in every respect, and I think that it's it's been quite we've been quite successful in that, and just making connections with with individuals, and that's really our background. Very cool. It's, it sounds amazing, and um, we were we were just in Chicago and we partnered up. So we were, um, we were regretful that we didn't get to to see the experience, but we will see it soon. Take us back a little bit to um, to the beginning where it all began, and tell us a little bit about how you found the space and how you built the space and your timeline and some of those fun things <laughs> about the world. And, if you remember any of those things or if they've all been blocked out now that you're no, here. No, I, I'll take it. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, I, everything happens for a reason. And I, I studied marketing and advertising and the economy tanked when I moved here. I ended up in residential real estate, you know, and I remember many, many years of asking like, why, why am I in this position? This is not what I want to be doing, but everything happens for a reason. And I was able to make some great connections. I really love the company I was working for. Um, Jenner and I were dating, then fianced and married all while I was at this company. Um, and so ironically, they also happened to own the, which I was working for them before Jenner and I got together and living with them even longer than that. Um, so they actually own the space where Next is. Um, so just because a lot of the big wigs would come in and out of that space, I knew who Jenner was. And then I was promoted and was working more down, more on the marketing and branding side downtown. And so, you know, it's like the normal, oh, when is your husband going to open his own restaurant sort of situation? And, you know, it's, it's all been pretty kismet. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day when I used to drive to MK, I would pass 2200 Clark, which is where our restaurant is now every day. And I always looked at it because there are apartments above it's owned by the same place I live. And I always looked and I was like, Oh, and I, I looked to move there into those apartments a few times. And I just, I would always stare into that restaurant and I, or into that space. And I, I really don't know why. And I'm not trying to be like, <laughs> you know, make this fairy tale, but it's, it's, I was just thinking about this. Um, and if probably like, I don't know, six years ago, maybe one of our project managers, one of the big guys came over to me and they're like, you know, Jenner should put something at 2200 Clark. It's been vacant forever. <laughs> this is why he was still at next. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you're crazy. Um, also, it's across from a school. So that's going to be impossible, like to get a liquor license. Um, so, you know, it was kind of put out there. I remember sh showing Jenner the plans because they sent them to me um, and then when we decided to move forward, we were actually looking at other spaces. I left the Alenia group. And while we were looking at other spaces to open ASME, I went back to my old company. I was like, I'm just going to go, go back to sales until we get this thing open. Um, and it, I was at a meeting and again, like the team, like these were also the team that when Jenner left next, were the first people to take us out to lunch. Like they really wanted us in one of their spaces. <laughs> um, so they, you know, he, Sam, God bless him, was like, what about 2200 Clark? Because we had been looking at other spaces within the company and, and, you know, outside the company. And I was like, you know, we, there's no, no way. Like there's, it's across from the school, you know, it's a very affluent school. They're, those parents are not going to let us do that. And he's like, we're going to, we'll, we, we'll take care of it. We'll make it, we're going to make it happen. Um, and everything happens for a reason, honestly, because this was the path, not the path of least resistance. One, 
it wasn't built out the way we needed it to be. It's across the street from a school, a very affluent school in a very affluent neighborhood. You can't get a liquor license X, you know, distance from the from from a school. So it's why it was vacant for so long. Um, it took us forever. We had to convince the aldermen. We had to go to the neighborhood. We had to go to the school. Then we finally got all these approvals. And then the city said, yeah, we'll give you this liquor license. We did all this petitioning, went to like city meetings. Um, and it just took freaking forever, forever. And then finally, I remember we got everything we needed and we we're looking at the space and it turned out the space didn't have black iron. What's that going to mean for us? Oh, what is it? It was such a disaster. It was just like, this is never going to happen. This is never going to open. Why do all these obstacles keep coming up? We got past that one obstacle. I will never forget this because I remember walking home and crying, telling Jenner, like, this is, this is impossible. Like, clearly we're not supposed to be opening this restaurant. Like, what the heck? Um, we're about to sign this lease and we hear about a virus. And our business partner <laughs> and Jenner are like, you know what? Let's hold on a second. Like, literally, we had the lease. Like, we had gone through all of this. I'm talking this took two years and probably five years from the first time they ever even mentioned 2200 Clark to us. And Jenner always wanted that space. Also, like, unbeknownst to me, he always eyed that space, too. Um, yeah, and so we waited. And then we all got shut down. So everything got shut down. The whole world got shut down. So you hadn't signed the lease at this point, you hadn't signed the lease. You had just like gotten the yep. steps that you needed to get it into execution form. Wow. Oh yeah. No, it was actually, no, I, like, I think it was like December. And no, it wasn't December. Did you have some sort of a, a deal with the, the real estate owner of that you were committing all this time to trying to get the liquor licenses through without yeah. a lease? Like what was um, that? They were great. No, they were great. They were great. It was a very, um, because of my relationship with the company, because of Jenner and because the space had been empty for so long, like they didn't hold anything. Like they, there was nothing, like they just were helping us out because it was beneficial to them. Yeah, I mean, the conversation was fully like, and the negotiation one was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll sign, we, we can sign a lease, but we're not like, we're not signing a lease if we can't get a liquor license because there's not going to be. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're very understanding of that. And, you know, to be honest, like the ones that were pushing for it, because whether, whether, you know, that costs money and, and things like that, but, at the end of the day, it increases their property, you know, like yeah. they're, they're investing into their own property. So they were, they were, they, they, they were open to kind of yeah. doing They sent their attorneys with us to the council meetings. They showed up at the council, but they were, they were wonderful. Um, and then right before, right before COVID, we had, we'd come across another issue. You know, we had done our initial drawings and things like that. And, um, yeah, we we had inspected a couple of times by our contractor and you know they they didn't do the best of job and then the the final kind of walkthrough we decided to do with contractors um before we signed this lease, you know, to make sure our budget was accurate and things like that. And the guy's like, There's no black iron in this space. Yeah, what, what they're calling black iron is 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 not is not to code and it was only on the outside of the building. And for anyone who's listening, you know, black iron's, you know, one of the most expensive things to, you know, it goes into a restaurant. It's basically the exhaust from from the kitchen equipment to to the outside, and you know, r running that, you know, fifty feet, in, you know, to the outside of the building, and then two hundred feet up vertically to the top of the roof um, becomes quite expensive. And that's something we had thought was, you know, in, in there in the restaurant. We were going to only have to spend minimal, um, you know, dollars on to to you know attach it, fix it. Um, 
but it, it was basically like starting over. Um, so we were kind of at a loss and then Katrina was describing walking home and crying because I was crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, it's I been was two years. Oh yeah. yeah. I was crying and he's got the dates wrong because in February is when we finally figured everything out and we had that contract, like they sent the lease in February and that's when our business partner had already been listening since January and was like, you know, you know, you know, and then February he, him and Jenna were like, you know what? No, we're not going to sign this. So you held off. Yeah. So, so, so what happened is that, you know, COVID kind of happened and then we, we actually signed a lease in the midst of the shutdown. Um, mm-hmm. it, we, no, different lease. no yeah. the same, the, the same, the same, lease, yeah. the same, the same, the same lease, but it was amended because of yeah. COVID. Right. So basically we Got said, it. You know, we, we, we're open, we're open to signing this lease and moving forward because we, we, you know, we wanted to, it's a gamble, right? Um, we bought, <laughs> we bought in the red and, you know, we, we have been very fortunate because of COVID. We were able to renegotiate the rent, re- renegotiate the rent, mm-hmm. you know, renegotiate the, yeah. you know, the TI, um, the rent abatement, um, all things that are vital for small business owners and specifically restaurants um, because to not have to pay rent for a year to do, you know, to do the build out and then open for a month and get your feet under you is a big deal. Um, you know, and to, and to offset some of those costs that COVID was, you know, kind of affected us um, and have a landlord that was supportive is a big deal. Um, I'm sure if you ask around uh, the hospitality world, it, you know, you get two answers. Like the landlord doesn't care. They want the rent. It's pay or get out. Or they are investing in who is investing in their property, right? Because I go into someone's property and I put money into it and it basically raises the, you know, the overall stature of the building and, you know, increases the, the, the net of the, the, the property. Right. Um, but some people aren't looking at it like that because of their own financial issues. Um, so we were very, we were very lucky um, to have a, to have a, a landlord and kind of go, go about it the right way. We were lucky for the delays, honestly, because had this not had this been the path of least resistance, let's just say there was no school across the street, there was black iron, we would have built out and opened and then shut down. Like right. that that's basically what would have built happened. Out. We would have had, yep, we would have had employees, we would have had a restaurant, we would have had investors to speak to, we would have been opening our doors and we would have been shut down. So every single solitary thing that occurred ended up being for the best. Oh, and I also got pregnant during this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was also like, I'm not like, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I also was like, due when like one of our initial opening dates was March, and I was actually due March. And Jenner and I were like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Oh my God, thank God we got delayed past March. What? Oh my God, what's wrong with us? It's so funny. We thought we thought we had this all like this whole like thing mapped out in our heads and on paper, like. Yeah, this kid's gonna come here, and our opening date's gonna be here, and so on and so yeah. forth. And yeah. those that, yeah, not, not, like you know, hope, hope, plan for the worst and hope for the best, and that has been that has been our mantra the whole time, and it's been it's been it's, been, it's worked out. That's you're one of the first uh, like COVID success stories in a way that like yeah. COVID actually benefited the business. Um, but yeah, Al, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask how long. So how long did it end up taking you to get from? Your your lease your amended lease signing until when you opened was it was it the year? Um, just under. So I think we signed in what March, Katrina? Like when like the official shutdown no, happened? No, no, no. It was a year. No. So we we officially signed, and we also kept raising money during the pandemic. Lord, I like what? Can you imagine this? Like 
my husband calling people like, do you want to invest in my restaurant? The whole world is shut down. Like he was like, I'm halfway there. I'm not going to stop now. Right. Um, but we Tell signed. me about that a little bit. Did you, how, how, what percentage of your build out had you raised before you signed the lease and how much did you anticipate to continue to raise? So I think, I think that's one of the, the, one of the, one of the biggest issues with the restaurant industry is um, this kind of competition um, an ego driven competition, maybe at, some, at times, like there's not enough camaraderie. And I think open vocal conversation from just like from, from all aspects, but in particular, like new business owners, like I was very lucky to have Eric Williams who had just opened a restaurant virtue in Hyde park and him be supportive in a way where like he openly talked to me about the ins and outs of, of, of how to do this. Right. Um, and, and didn't necessarily like, he almost wrote like the play, like didn't write it for me, but like, I got to read the playbook on how to win the world series right. before, before going into, you know, the, 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 the seven games I had to play. Um, I, I, I a couple of things I've learned most importantly, no one, no one has your best interest at heart and, and, and unless it's your own team. And I think that's a lot of the times when you're, it's your first time doing this, you obviously have to pay to play and learn. Right. But no one, no one is, is out there to and i know this is a shitty way to look at it but no one no one has your best interest at heart and that's how important your team is that's how important having you know katrina on my team and 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 my business partner our business partner tom and and our other network of, of the, the people i consider on our team because like i would never recommend anyone sign a lease unless you were fully funded yeah like, we weren't. <laughs> we, 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 we were about we were, we were about seventy percent of the way. Yeah. Of so the you're way. saying that in hindsight that you would not yeah. recommend doing what you yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that was a little even too close for comfort for me. Um, because there's a lot of uh, you know unknown variables. Like, right? They, they, they someone, a contractor gives you um, a budget. The architecture team draws the plans. The the contractor budgets it, budgets it, and then you know you start opening walls and there's 30% over what you thought you needed to pay. And people right. tell you that, but there's no real, real way to, you know, to know. Yeah. To know. Right. So, you know, back to, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, but yeah, we were about 70, 75% funded. Um, you know, we put our own money. Um, so this is, this is something that we were very committed to. And I think most of the time it, a lot of this goes around like, like when people open restaurants, it goes the wrong way where like you just say, you get told, yeah, 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 we can do that. Yeah, 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 we can make that. Yeah, 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 we can make it beautiful. Yeah, 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 you can get the stove. And nobody like until the ninth hour tells you actually, do you need it? And it costs this much. And is there a better way to do it? Um, but we had a really good team and, you know, we questioned everything along the way. Um you know, I, I was very fortunate to have Katrina and Tom in my corner to be like, hey, there's like, they're saying this, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, if I was them, I'd be doing this for their, for my, my own personal advantage, not, not ours. So like, this doesn't make sense. And to have a corner that you could, you can kind of echo that to and say, yeah, you're right, Jenner. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Maybe we should ask. Um I, that's that's the reason we were we've we've been so you know successful like right that's the reason we're still here yeah. that's we made it through covid um because we really questioned everything you know throughout the whole whole process um like we also had my uncle and my aunt who my uncle 
which is how I ended up in Chicago to begin with, is works for a big firm. And he's been an architect for a very long time. And my aunt's a designer at the same firm. Um, and he's, he doesn't even, he doesn't, he doesn't even do like projects anymore. And they certainly don't do projects like us made They do like major projects. And he was like, no, I'm building a restaurant. Been, <laughs> so They did like yeah. Maggie Daly Park. Um, yeah. And they did yeah, they, like, they do big projects. The, the MCA. So they do like, like, it's a, it's a big firm. So it was like, we were really lucky to have him in our corner being like, yeah, that's, that ain't right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, or my aunt going like, okay, these proposed light boxes are, it's going to be X amount and that's way too much. And then sourcing through all her connections and like just her years of vast knowledge, uh, you know, equivalent light boxes, or, I mean, it, we just were so lucky from start to finish, you know, our business partner's generous childhood friends, he's a CPA, like, this is like what he does. He's a numbers guy. Um, you know, then my family be ha- happens to be an architect and an interior designer. I mean, like, so it was just, it was so helpful, especially when you're concerned or worried or just everything's going wrong, which of course, everything went wrong. <laughs> so, That's how they say it, it takes a village for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, you're lucky. Yeah, you're lucky you had that village. So tell us, so you mentioned like the fundraising during the pandemic and that Erica gave you advice on this. What do you, what what nuggets did you learn that you want to share besides like try to be fully, like try to have all the money in, which obviously is ideal, is ideal but um, but what, like, what did you learn along the way that you think would be helpful for other people who are in the same position? Because you're right. I mean, that's one of the things on this show that people always find the most useful and DMS about is when we talk like brass tacks and cash and like, how do you, how do you do it? Because I think that's probably the hardest part, especially yeah. during the pandemic. You'd be surprised the amount of things. So, so one thing I learned is most of these things can be accomplished by yourself, right? Um, right. You don't need an attorney to go file for a liquor license um, through the city. Do 90% of like larger name restaurants do that? Yes. But that costs money, right? And a lot of like $500 an hour money, right? So a lot of these small costs um, can be kind of, you know, avoided if you have time to do it, right? Um, And, you know, every inch really does add up. And I don't think most people look at their budget like that, right? to be able to save five grand here, 10 grand here, two grand there, one grand here. Like, like it's, a, it's like, it's like the Al Pacino, uh, you know, qu- quote in every, any given Sunday when he's talking about inches. Right. Um, it's like all of those small things add up and it's like to, to, you have to analyze it small, small game and big game. Um, and you know, at the, at the, at the end of the day, not everyone has like they have a job, they have a full time job that they're they're working at and like trying to do this at the same time. So then you have to do pay for it. You know, at some point you have to pay to play. But you know, I, I do feel like most people like you should just question everything along the journey, right? Why, if you, if it was you, would you do it that way? Um, would you do it differently? Um, and I feel like most restaurants first restaurant are very successful because because they were they were put under such like pressure the first go around right they worked so hard they scrapped you know things together to make it to the finish line and they persevered right and i feel like everyone's second restaurant isn't as great as the first one because it's not the same um 
they're not, you're not under the same pressure. It's not the same dynamic, right? You, you didn't, you were, your back wasn't up against the wall. Um, and you had no other choice, but just to make it happen. Um, usually you, you got to win, right. And you get a little cocky and you get a little over, overzealous and it's like, oh yeah, we can afford to do that. Yeah. We can afford to do that. And I, I truly think that we're, we've been successful. Um, not just because of the standard and of quality of, of, of hospitality, but I think like just as a business, we've been successful because we've been so inquisitive and so, so like, like able to analyze everything, every step of the way and really just question, question what was going on. And I think Eric definitely, you know, echoed that throughout, throughout this entire process. So as part of your business model, I know there's a charitable component. Can you tell us a little bit about about that, I know you mentioned the, you know, having the art on the walls and being able to sell that, but um, tell, tell us a little bit about the give back component and how you guys put that into the business model from the beginning. Yeah, so it always it always changes. Um, so, um, so our first three months we were open, we just kind of had a standard, our standard Esme menu that we'll, we'll do twice a year with an artist um, and use the space kind of as a gallery as such, where it's just like, a space for people to bring in their and their thing and, and highlight them, right? And we'll, you know, we, we kind of work on a, a, a like we don't we don't we don't take a commission like most galleries would would, would right? Um, and then two times um, the other two times a year, the other two quarters of the year, um, we try to attach ourselves to some type of philanthropic cause. Um, so our second menu of the year was, was with um, Paul Octavius, who's a um, he is an artist, he's a photographer, um, he's a Chicago guy. Um, he's pretty, pretty well known here. He's super talented, loves food. I've done work with him in the past. Um, and working with him is just very fun. And so it was an easy fit. So we actually, we don't really, really have a rhyme or reason how, how these things kind of happen. We kind of, it's just been this organic relationship. So we just asked Paul, like, you know, Hey, we're going to raise the ticket price. And obviously we want to sell your work as well, but we're going to raise the ticket price. Like, is there a foundation or a charitable cause that you want to pick and, and we'll donate, we'll donate to, right? So we raised... Um, I think just around $25,000 for um, No Hugs, No Slugs, um, which is, a, is, a, is a, a group on the south side of Chicago um, that raises money for, you know, the less fortunate and the homeless. Um, and just, you know, we, we really try to, like, tie everything together, right? It's not just our story, but Paul's story and the reasoning and impactfulness Um you know that he's passionate about right with it which his work represents and where he's from and what his background is um and he had just recently worked with um her her, her name's inglewood barbie um and he just had taken photos of her for a project he was doing for for her for her foundation and he's like this just makes sense like i just worked with her and this she's doing this for the right reasons and representing the right demographic and um so yeah that was kind of kind of kind of how that one um unfolded um, our current menu, again, is kind of back to our Esme menu where we were just highlighting a new artist and going through the motions of finding what our voice is and who we are is is, is, is what the food is here. Um, and then, as I was mentioning before, our, our next menu is with Kitchen Possible. Um, so, again, it's a it's a youth programming on the, on the uh, uh, Inner City Kids for Chicago. Um, I've done work with them in the past. The woman, Katie Lohman, who runs it, um, is fantastic. Um, and then, again, we raised, like, or we raised the ticket price an additional $25 per person. And, you know, each person that comes and eats at eats for that menu, um, that goes to, to, to kitchen possible. So 
uh, it's been very fulfilling in that department. I don't feel like Katrina can tell you um, better than I can, but like we, we interviewed and talked to a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. representatives and other, other people that are in kind of the philanthropic um, community here. And they're like, you should just focus on the business first. Um, yeah. We heard that a lot, actually. So on top of everything else, when in January of 2020, we started to like interview different PR agencies, interview different branding, marketing. Then people heard General was opening. So people wanted to talk to us about it, maybe pitch themselves to us if they owned companies, you know, just across the board. And like, oh, my goodness, every well, aside from those whom we hired, every single person was like, you shouldn't do that. You need to focus on the food don't do that. Don't do that. Focus on the food. Don't do, I mean, we heard it so much. And, you know, I think Jenner and I are both the personality of like, we're stubborn <laughs> and, you know, we say, thank you very much for your opinion and don't make people feel bad, but we're like, yeah, we're totally going to do that. <laughs> so, um, and then with the civil unrest, I remember, um, that may going like, oh no, now I'm really going to do this. Like I knew we wanted to do this, but now I'm now we're really going to do this. Like this is, like, this is what we need to do to positively contribute to our city and co positively contribute to other people. Like, we felt so strongly about that, you know. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you learn, you learn from example, right? Pe people are led by example. And if you've had the opportunity to have good examples, you, you're just going to do that, do things because that's what you know. And that's what Jenner and I knew. I mean, we came both came from MK restaurant. We both, you know, worked with Michael and Lisa Pornick. Eric Lawrence was the executive chef there. They were all very important to us in our lives. We got married in one of Michael and Lisa's restaurants. You know, um, Eric is the one who set us up. He married us. He is one of the most important people in our lives. And, you know, the, one of the things that was always taught to us, imagine, I would say we grew up in this restaurant, um, was that you give back. Like if you're fortunate, you give back period the end. Like, whether it was finishing an event with Eric and then going back to the restaurant, taking everything was extra, taking anything that was extra at the restaurant and then going and finding, a, you know, a homeless shelter or a women's shelter. And then, I mean, I'm talking after you'd worked all day and you're exhausted, it's in all the night and dropping off the food to these people who needed it, or whether it was raising money, um, selling pies, or whether it was, you know, watching Eric, and I think he still does this, go in, he cooks turkey for the homeless um, every Thanksgiving. Like, you know, Michael and Lisa were very much very adamant about supporting causes and being generous and being generous as also just as restaurateurs, as our employers, they were just generous. It's, you know, it's why I ended up with a full-time job and still was hostessing twice a week. I didn't want to leave. It was, it was very difficult for me to leave them. Um, and, you know, that to us, when you see this and when you watch Eric, you know, I, I've heard like, you know, how it is the gossipy gossips around town going like, oh, this seems very similar to virtue. Are they copying Eric? We're not copying him, but we're doing what he showed us to do and what he has advised us. And we will always do that. He is he is such a leader in this industry and he has art on his walls and he supports local artists and he he takes his time and takes his son to go feed the homeless. I'm going to take my son because Eric does that. You know what I mean? Um, and that's how we've built this. We're hoping to build this restaurant, hoping to impact the community in ways that we saw Michael, Lisa, and Eric um, impact them. And they impacted our lives. And, you know, that's just, I said to Jenner the other day, like, 
this is just how we do things. We do it like the Cornics and Eric had done them. And that's how we do it at SMA. You know, we were talking about something that involved an employee. And I'm like, well, this is just how we take care of them. That's what we were taught, right? Um, and I think that that's really how all of this came to be. Us talking about like, yeah, we could just open a restaurant and really thinking about like, why did we love working at MK and for these people? Like, why? Why? And we would talk about that a lot. And it was because they were good people. And they taught us very valuable lessons. And so when people are like, this is reminiscent of something Eric Williams is doing, I'm always like, it sure is, because we talk to him about everything we do. <laughs> and he yeah. tells us, this is what I'm doing, or we, or we just see it. And you model people that you look up to to help raise you, you're going to model their behavior. And that's the biggest testament you can give to them. Um, so I think when we started this whole thing, we we knew we wanted something philanthropic. We knew we wanted to give back. We we had to make a decision when Jenner left next. Like, what are we going to do? Do we stay here? Do we leave? What, what do we do? What are we doing with our lives? And we both said we want to remain in Chicago. We love Chicago. And then the next question was like, okay, but like, how do we how do we give back to Chicago? How? And then that's kind of where we landed. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's, we talked, this comes up a lot on the show is like working for good people and then mm -hmm. using what they taught you to also give back and do good. And I'm curious, um, you know, because fine dining and you know, tasting menus and, you know, intricate plating and all these beautiful things that you put on and play also have a reputation for being wasteful and not sustainable. So how do you like being so mission driven and so value driven? How do you guys, how do you reconcile those two and what do you do to to make sure that you're not being wasteful and those kind of things while driving this beautiful tasting menu? You know, um, it, it's, everyone has, has a, a cause and a mission and I don't, I don't, it's very hard to, to be on every, to go along with everything. Right. And I think yeah. what we try to do is identify what is the most important to us and, and what that looks like. Um, and, and and be passionate about that right um it's like it's very like the media upkeep on like what the next you know thing is um is so overwhelming right mm -hmm. um so we've, we've just always tried to stick to, stick to our you know what we've learned and what we what we, we learned that we didn't enjoy about growing up in the, in the restaurant industry um and, that, and that's what we're going to stick to, right? We, you know, we try to try to produce at the highest level and, and give hospitality at the highest level. Um, and I think for us, it's we've been successful because the, a lot of the times um, the reason of the mission stops getting told, right? Um, and, and I'll relate just to cooking um, and particularly just, you know, the hierarchy of the, the kitchen, right? Um, you know, you see... You, you, if you've worked in, you know, restaurants of this caliber, it's, you can be quiet, can be somewhat militant. Um, uh, you know, it can look as, as some type of hierarchy, you know, like, like, like the army or however you want to frame it, right? Um, those things make you very efficient and very organized. And, the, you know, those are the positive things that come out with it. The other, the other, uh, the negative that comes out of it, it's, it's very hard to maintain, um, staffing your you know personal and, and own mental health um so those are the things that we're always kind of been conscious about um and i feel like continuing to have a message to why we're doing this is 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 kind of alleviated a lot of the the negative aspects of it 
are we exhausted? Yes. Or is 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 this seem like it's never ending? Yes. Um, but in the same sense, it's fulfilling. Um, you know, we're not trying to be the best restaurant in the world. You know, that is not our goal. Our goal is not to um, win awards. Um, are those things validating and great? Yes. What, am I going to turn one down? No, because it's going to put butts in seats, and that's great. But I'm not doing this to be the next tasting menu. I, that's not why we've decided to do this. I like the creative aspect of this, and I like I like that we've created space for others. And and that just doesn't mean the, the artists on the wall, but I mean I'm in our team, right? And to continue to tell that mission and tell that story of why we're doing this, how and why we function, how and why our standards are the way they are. Um, you know, it's not, it's not this, don't slam the oven door or I'm going to yell at you. It's, hey, if you continue to slam the oven door and don't take ownership of its space, then we won't have an oven because the oven's the most important part of the kitchen and the door is what determines if that that piece of equipment is functional or not and if you continue to slam it it's going to stop working right and the bottom line of the restaurant looks like this this is how many covers we do and this is what our costs are there's not room much room for error and that conversation is usually lost right that conversation between owner and, and management management and hourly employees top to top to bottom um and i felt like we tried to be as transparent as possible through, through this entire like journey and it's been very beneficial for us um and i do think that like while let's say our mission isn't like let's be the, the most let's we're really just gonna do have minimal waste like it's like you said it fine dining is very that's it's very much known for waste. What we have done is, and what Jenner's talking about as well, is like this education component. And um, we actually had a cook who's actually very passionate about waste. And like Jenner, and he like brought it up and Jenner was like, awesome. I, I will charge you with writing a plan with, we can learn the inventory, we can learn this and let's, you know, we, we try to uplift people enough if they're passionate about something that that is something that we can implement, Right. Um, and we can start working on it. And, and we also opened the bar knowing that, you know, a lot of whatever is happening in the bar is specifically based on the dining room, right? So we do a lot of the overage that is coming out of our dining room tasting menu is what's being produced in the bar, which is helpful. Um, and then it's just a matter of like Jenner say, we try to be very transparent with people. We try to, you know, if someone's really into something, really passionate about something, we try to give individuals the space to implement that, make it their own, and possibly change how we're structured and what we're doing. Um, so, you know, while we're, of course, everyone thinks about wastefulness or not wastefulness or, or things are trying to minimize waste, while it's not maybe our, like, this is who we are and this is what we do, there are these smaller aspects, like Jenner's saying, like through the education, when you're explaining to someone why inventory is so important, well, invent wrong inventory could lead to greater waste. So if you're teaching these skills and you're allowing people to look at PLs, look at inventory lists, you know, speaking to them about the numbers and why it's important not to over order, you know, bathroom toiletries for the guest or, you know, all these different things, it then translates into that redu reduction of waste down the line. And you also help someone learn, right? And, and that's a lesson they can take 
into their own house or if they open their own business. Um, and I think that that's, those have been the biggest things that we've done are just, you know, we had, we knew we wanted this bar pushing over some of that overage over to the bar side and then just really trying to educate. And if someone is passionate about something rather than being like, listen, we're really busy doing all these other things saying, awesome. How can we support you to spearhead this? <laughs> like, you know, cause it, it can be very yeah. overwhelming. There are a lot of very good and positive causes that we all need to be made aware of. Um, it's just sometimes you can't, there aren't you can't a, do it all. You gotta, yeah, focus. Exactly. yeah, I think that's, and I think everybody, you know, everybody appreciates that. It's like, you can't solve all the world's problems. Exactly. Go. You gotta focus on, on the small, focus on what's, what you put your foot in front of you and do that really well. Exciting news for restaurants. Bento Box and Clover have teamed up to provide even more technology for a better hospitality experience. With over 70% of diners researching restaurants online before they go in person, a strong digital presence is more important than ever. Bentobox's website, marketing tools, and commerce platform help restaurants get discovered online, make more money, and engage diners in person and virtually. And Clover's world-class POS and payment system streamlines daily operations for a totally seamless experience. With Bentobox and Clover working together, Restaurants now have an all-in-one solution that makes it easy to deliver better hospitality from the kitchen to tableside and beyond. Bento Box and Clover. The right recipe for hospitality. Visit getbento.com slash better to learn more. That's getbento.com slash B-E-T-T-E-R. Al, should we go into order fire? Let's do it. Um, I'll kick it off. What is the, uh, what is your favorite menu item? Um, for all, I'll do uh, Katrina. You do the tasting menu. I'll do the bar. No, I want to do the bar. Sounds like the bar is. I know yeah. what he's gonna say. Mine is the pierogi. Um, the broth on the tasting menu side for the pierogi, which is actually a constant during our essay menus. Oh my god, it's like the most delicious French onion soup broth that you've ever had, but like ten times better. It's so good. Um, so, so my, I'll give you details on what it is. Um, I know coming from a long line of great cooks, but my, my, my mom didn't cook, but my grandmother made a couple of bit, a uh, couple of things. Um, and I spent a lot of time with her. Um, she made chicken and dumplings, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, and then pierogies. Um, so this isn't, this isn't what she did, but it's just a, it's a, it's a feeling and emotion that I think is comforting and warm to think about. So I wanted to recreate that so it's it's a single pierogi in a bowl it's, it's been filled with raclette cheese um we, we smother it with a bunch of winter or summer truffle depending on the time of the year um and then we pour a broth of burnt onions so we, we like basically carbonize red onions on the grill for a long time almost so it's like charcoal and then we steep it in water to, so it's like tea um and it takes like 48 hours to kind of make this broth and it comes out very milk stock like in quality even though it's vegetarian um and like katrina was saying it's 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 definitely like, like onion soup <laughs> so good sounds delicious so is that also your favorite dinner or no uh, on the tasting menu yeah that's that's probably one i like to talk about the most um and then the bar we do it we have a giant cheeto um which is fun we serve a a, um, a smaller um in more intricate intricate um one bite in the tasting menu and then in the bar it's just this giant flaming hot cheeto um we, we bought a green extruder um, so we actually make them in house. You didn't buy it. You made the grain extruder. <laughs> yeah. Well, we bought, we bought the extruder and then my, one of my, one of my dear friends who helped us open the restaurant, um, him and his dad, like they, it had to be attached to like a, like a 10 horsepower motor. Um, and then they, oh built, they, they, they welded a frame for it, um, and mounted it. And basically you hook up the, the extruder to a flywheel 
and then to the motor and then it's it, it basically like a um like a meat grinder if anyone was listening you know has ground like large quantities out of, of meat out of a whole heart but rather than so there's a die um and then rather than at the front of the of the extruder there's there's would normally be like a hole and a blade for things that come out um this is just capped and has a small hole out of the front of it so basically what you're happening is creating pressure and heat um and then like thermal dynamics comes into play of of the the rapid drop in temperature um and 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 pressure um and it causes the the grain to actually like explode or puff um so we do that all in-house and then we toss it into a bunch of fermented chilies and uh orange cheddar powder um and some citric acid because that's like the very nostalgic flaming hot flavor if you ask me um it's 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 fun it makes it it makes a it makes a terrible mess, mess but yeah the guests love it how many flaming hot cheetos do you sell on eight at the bar um we usually it's usually like every guest that comes in gets it um it's <laughs> yeah. i saw it on your instagram it did look pretty cool i'm not gonna yeah. lie um it's like it's like if you go to a bar and you're like there's bar nuts on the menu like everyone gets the bar nuts in the blonde while you pick a cocktail um it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of like that. Um, it's a pain in the ass because we have to keep, you have to dehydrate it and it's massive and it takes up a, t- a ton of room. So, but it's worth it. Well, that was sort of answering our next question, which was your most ordered menu item, which I assume now is the Flaming Hot Cheeto. Yes. Oh yeah, I think 100%. That, yes. Al, you want to do the next one? Sure. What's the, um, I'll be curious to hear if it's Flaming Hot Cheeto again. What's your best food cost item? <laughs> uh, yes, that. Yes? <laughs> yes, that. I guess if you eliminate labor costs. Uh, yeah. Um, and then probably the tartar, the Wagyu tartar that we have on the menu. Um, it, it, we, so we always, we always try to have byproduct. Um, so if we're running a crudo of some sort, um, on the tasting menu, there's always byproduct, right? Um, so I, I guess it depends on how you look at it. We're not, we're not buying steaks. To, to run on the bar menu, it's just it's just a byproduct of the tasting menu. So it's always a way to kind of reduce costs. Whether you know we're we're using the physical eye of the ribeye in the dining room, and then we use the cap for the for steaks in the bar, and then any byproduct that isn't like an, a perfect portion um, gets cut in a tartar. Cool. What about how do you plan to how do you hire and retain great employees? Um, I will say one thing about that um, is that. Every every generation, I feel like, has always said it's impossible to hire good employees, um, and I think that's this isn't a new thing. I don't think COVID is um, it has been necessarily the biggest uh, you know problem to hiring people. Um, I think it's just spotlighted an issue that has been going on for forever. Right? It's an industry issue. It's and probably uh, uh, if you go to different industries, it's probably been an issue at that. Um, it's really on the onus to of, of the owner and the manager. Um, and it's not about finding um, qualified and experienced people, but it's about finding people that believe in what you're trying to achieve and then taking the, the time and the effort to um, yeah, work with them, grow them, uh, you know, and find what their strengths are and, and move into those things. You know, they're not working for us. We're working for them. Yeah, I always say um, skills can be taught, passion, um, and a good attitude can't. So 
you know, we can, we can teach people skills. We've definitely hired people who've never worked in Michelin restaurants, don't know how to pour wine that can be taught. Um, but they're dynamic. They're eager. They want to work. They're happy to be there. They're excited. That can't be taught, right? I can't teach that. If you bring someone who's excited to be in your space and believes in what you're doing, that's basically kind of our motto and how we, uh, you know, hire and then also retain. Makes sense. Tell, tell us, um, aside from the liquor license and the black iron, worst building or your developing uh, story? Worst? Oh my God, the tables. The tables. <laughs> <laughs> that was another time I cried a lot. I actually left my house. I, I'm not going to lie. I left the house because I couldn't even be in the same space as Jenner or any human individual. I left him with a newborn and I went on a run. And I was like, I'm just going to run. I don't know where I'm running to, but like no one, everyone needs to leave me alone. Oh, that was horrible. Go ahead, Jenner. You can tell the story. <laughs> so they, they, the tables and the chairs. Um, so they picked the designer of his aunt. Um, they both have expensive taste. Um, me and my aunt apparently it's yes. apparently this is my fault but go ahead um <laughs> so they, they they designed a beautiful space and we had to work within a budget so we you know we worked on you know minimizing what what costs were and, and, and accents were and doing the best to keep the initial intent um so they had picked they had just we have cement tables um so there are these white cement tables that each like the the two top weighs like 300 pounds right <laughs> Um, it's, they're, they're extremely heavy, right? But they're beautiful. They're white. Um, they've been stained with sand from Lake Michigan. Um, so the initial idea was to, to, to find cement, um, or find these tables and, and get them shipped here. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we buying cement from, from California and shipping it to Chicago? I was like, there's gotta be someone who makes this stuff here. Right. And, the same and then thing we with need the a table base. The yeah, table base is really so intricate. Yeah, the, the table bases they had picked out are these branch table bases. They like it looks like a, a tree branch, right? It's 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 has one solid base and then it branches up into like four or five posts. And they were from Italy and they were they were beautiful. And I'm like, again, well, I'm like, why can't we find someone here to make this? So we did. Um, we ended up finding two very talented um, individuals. This this um, Chicago concrete and um, Bucktown built built the, um, the the wooden table bases, um, but the problem was um, <laughs> coming together. So like two weeks before, two weeks before we were supposed to open, you know, we got the cement delivered, and then the, the next week we got the table bases delivered, and we were going to have the cement guys um, attach them to the to the to the bases. Um, and each person basically said, "Hey," once they got together, like. This, this table can't go on that base and this base can't go on that table because they didn't want to be liable for it not working because yeah. they, they did the math wrong and, and, and the tabletop was too heavy for the base and vice versa. So we, we ended up having to, to find cast iron bases to reattach to the base, the, the wooden base. And then again, our, our good friend that helped us mm-hmm. build you know, the, the Cheetah machine. And, and his, his dad. dad. Him and his dad came in, and we we were up like oh, for yeah. forty eight hours drilling table bases into concrete. We, we were built. They were doing table bases until the hour before we opened the doors for our first night of friends and family. Like we didn't know what we were going to do. We had no tables. We we had a restaurant. The restaurant was going to open. Friends and family invitations had gone out. Tickets had been purchased, and we had no tables. No tables, and we didn't know what we were going to do. And like the only other option would have been like to get really ugly black tables. So I was having a complete 
an utter meltdown. Like I was just losing my mind. Um, yeah, God, God bless um, Jake and his dad. <laughs> <laughs> because they figured they and then they were like Jake was taking it from one place to the other my uncle was calling engineers like it was just oh yeah it was exactly what you what you would expect to happen when you're opening a restaurant it's exactly what should it should happen that's what happens when you open restaurants yeah unpredictable but yes. people got fed on tables for the for opening night yes and and everything worked out and they're beautiful and we love to tell the story about the branches and then the beautiful sand from lake michigan and we just never tell the fact that literally we were in big trouble <laughs> <laughs> i love it um all right cool al you want to wrap us up sure uh why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on social and online uh, yeah, uh, my Instagram's uh, Jenner Tomaska, J-E-N-N-E-R-T-O-M-A-S-K-A. And then um, K Bravo, which, K Bravo, what's your Instagram? K Bravo, what's yeah. that? You know, that's a good question. I guess just look up Katrina Bravo and you'll find me. <laughs> there's only, there's very few of me. And the, and the restaurant um, Instagram is um, Esme, E-S-M-E under, underscore Chicago. Perfect. Yeah, mine has a lot more baby content. So I don't know how many of <laughs> yeah. the listeners want to see Roman on a daily basis, but... <laughs> You never know. Um, cool. We are at, we are opening soon and at till at NYC. Thank you guys for sharing this story. We're um, very excited to hear it and uh, looking forward to a meal in the restaurant. Come eat, please. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yes. come on in. Thank you for having Thanks, us. Guys. Thanks for having us. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio supported by Hugh. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.